And there we go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Gentleman's Coach Podcast. I am your co-host, Corey Shaw, and I'm here with your host, Mr. Alvin Hartley. Hello, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Oh. Or it could be afternoon when you're listening to this. I, I shouldn't assume morning. Yeah, yeah. Whenever uh, Apply that to whenever you're listening to this. Yes. Um, nice, dreary Tuesday today. It's great. Skin cooler. Oh, I know. I love it. Yeah. Um, so last week we talked about uh, depression. How screwed up I am. Sure. Okay. Very yeah. good. <laughs> um, and, and how most of us are. I think we touched on that. That this is something that a, a lot of people deal with. Um, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna finish that up today. We're gonna go into uh, into part two. Mm-hmm. And um, you want to recap part one a little bit? Yeah. So you talked about your personal struggles with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And some people in your family. Mm-hmm. And we really talked about the the kind of stigma that's that's behind it, right? And especially for men, and I want to address that as the start of this podcast, where I think that stigma comes from. Okay. And I think part of it is a it's really a place of judgment. They they come from a place of judgment. Sure. That is, you know, uh, you shouldn't be this way or shouldn't be that way, and that goes into this perception of oneself, right? As a comparison to different people. So I, I think for for most men, they're very insecure. Right. Uh, I, I think it's hard for them to be. Uh, I accepted my weirdness at 12. Like, right. I was just weird. Right. Like, yeah. I, the world came to me really fast. It came to me really emotionally. I, I was a sensitive person. I was a tough person. But I was sensitive. Right. And, and, and I'm, unfortunately, my parents really didn't know how to navigate all that. I mean, they just – it was – they, it was a lot for them, and I kind of felt bad for them. Right. Uh, so I hid in academics and I hid in sports, but I was just relatively miserable. But right. they just didn't know it. Sure. So I think when um, one of the things I'd like to accomplish on this podcast is some some tools to move beyond that. Right. So I, I think depression is one of those things that it's a constant. It's, it's like a birthmark. Okay. Yeah. You, it, it's there. There's ways to minimize it, and there's ways to maximize it. Right. And I think giving some practical tips to to, to guys on who are going through this is a really important process. Right. I, I think there's a lot of pressure put on men, and I think there's a lot of pressure put on women as well. But I think the pressure on men isn't talked about as much, and it's this societal pressure of being the textbook version of a man. Mm-hmm. You know, to be masculine, to be tough, to kind of weather through the storm. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of guys don't like talking about it. It's because they feel that talking about it is admitting it. And admitting it is making it real. But make no mistake that if you suffer from depression, it is real. Whether or not you talk about it. And you said that you have been, I mean, you've been very open. Obviously, you're talking about it on a podcast. But you've been very open with, with your therapy and... Oh, I remember the first struggles. time I told my friends I was in therapy, they were flabbergasted. They just couldn't, un- they couldn't believe it. Right. They're like, man, you, you have everything going on. You've seen the man and everything. I'm like, no. I, and, and so, and I've had people abuse that situation for me. I've had people betray me using it. My, I think my ex did that to some degree. Right. Um, that, and that's, so I want to talk about three things today. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is a concept that I have expressed to you early on that I think is missed in gentlemen today. And I think they, men are are having trouble deriving where they get their joy from. Okay. Okay. So I think one of the most important things that I want to convey today is that 
I, I believe everyone, but most importantly, men should get their joy in life from their responsibilities. Okay. There is a, then a, an escapism that's occurring now in our culture, a rebellion against traditional roles, which I think leads to a place of emptiness. Right. And I think when you, the more responsibilities you have, if you flip the script, okay, where everybody goes, I want to escape, I want to go, I, you want to go to Margaritaville, whatever the heck you were trying to do. Right. I, I think what it ends up saying is one life really sucks, this life of trudgery, I got to find an escape. That leads to more depression. Right. So if a lot of people who that I was told, well, you just need to get away. Get away from what? So I can come back? Yeah, it's a Band-Aid. Right. Well, but but you see, people say that all the time. Now, I probably should take more vacation, which I don't. Right. But I, the life that I have, I get joy from my life. Sure. But that is a concept that is lost for a lot of guys that I've met in the practice law or just in personal life. Their jobs are so, in their mind, a, a chore. Right. They have to do this. They don't get any enjoyment from it. So their only joy comes in a brief segment of when they're hanging out with their buddies, which, come on, man, just grow up. Yeah. Jesus. So become a leader in your house. Become a leader in your life. Become a leader in your job and take joy from responsibilities. That might mean right. you have to make a change. Yeah, sure. And uh, do you, I think a lot of this comes, and you, you briefly just mentioned it, comes from comparing yourself to other people. Oh, yeah. And it's... It's something that I've really been focusing on lately is on not doing mm -hmm. because I feel like I do it a lot. And it's very easy to do with social media <clears throat> because people people put the best parts of their lives on social media. You know, if, if you're having a crappy hair day and you spilled coffee all over the front of yourself and, you know, you tripped in a puddle on the way into the office, you're not going to post you that on Instagram. You described six out of my seven days. Right, right. <laughs> right like that's, but you're not going to post that on Instagram. You're going to post it when you're looking good, when you're doing fun stuff. Right. And so when you're looking through social media, you have this constant flow of people just doing all these cool things. Well, you're looking at the best parts of their life, and then you're focusing on the worst parts of your life. Sure. And, you know, and then and you don't consider, like your friends, you, you just said, your friend said, we had no idea. We thought you had everything figured out. Mm -hmm. We thought, you know, you had the world at your feet. Yeah, I do. Right. But I suffer from depression. Sure. But... <laughs> You know this 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 weird thing of, of just saying I wish I could be as happy as this person. Right. I wish I could be as happy as this person. You don't know what they have going on, right. you know, because unless you're a spouse or a parent or a family member or something or a very very close friend, you're probably not going to know about the struggles that person has. So I think that uh, along with that, I think you know you were talking about being a leader in your house and you know in your marriage and at your job and all this other stuff. I think you need to focus on what you have and really focus on it and say, you know, if if your wife makes you roll your eyes 50 times a day and you're like, what the hell am I doing? Really look at that, look at that and, and find out, figure out, okay, is this a problem or am I just looking at her and not appreciating her, not evaluating, uh, not valuing her for what she has? That's, that's going to contribute to your depression. Sure. If you're just constantly looking at your life as being crappy, and thinking, well, everybody else around me has this great life, and my, my life sucks. Well, and I think another important part is you got to really get clear with yourself about what you consider. So the first thing is get joy from your responsibility. So when I have my daughters, I I, I love my daughters. Right. Now, I'm not – my oldest doesn't have a relationship with me now because of some consequences and some other things. But but my daughters know that I was there for them and I was engaged with them. Right. Because I never complained about when they cried at night. It was a responsibility that I got joy from. 
even today, right? So I, I think it's important that if you are suffering from depression, there is a close cousin to that, which is escapism. And, right. and I'm opposed to that. Right. If your life sucks because of your job, quit your job and have enough, um, I was going to say something inappropriate, have enough guts <laughs> to make a change. Right. right. My wife left and I, that's, she didn't want this life anymore. Well, right. this life is, was built. We, this life was built. It was designed, built, and I'm I'm excited. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not right. where I should be. Probably, I've made some bad choices, bad mistakes, but I'm not. I never wanted to have a different life. Right. Sure. Most guys and most people think depression is about wanting a different life. That is not what depression is at all. Right. If you can't make joy out of the life you have in the minute you're in it, <clears throat> you're never going to be happy. You're always going to be miserable. Right. That's not depression. That's just being a self-centered bastard. Right. There's a big difference. Yeah. Right? Because no matter what circumstance you're in, you're not going to be happy. Depression is you have a feeling that's, that could be physical. It could be a combination. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Mine was just a constant sense of despair. Right. It was so deep at times. There, It, it gets to be an ideation, so you got to be very careful. I started finding help because I wanted to be better for my daughters. Right. I wanted to be better. And unfortunately for me, my personal life, veered in a different direction. I, I frankly got better and and just exposed a lot of really imbalanced relationships. And this is the second thing I'm going to talk about. When you start getting joy from your responsibilities, you start analyzing the relationships you have. Right. And so when I realized in, in a series of therapies that I had a lot of I-it relationships, this is a, a Jewish theologian who came up with this idea. I-it means that a lot of the people that were in my life, my ex, a lot of my business partners, a lot of some of my friends, not my current crew, right. which you know are very, yeah, they're part of my whole existence, these guys. But a certain people in my life, I was in a relationship that was based on what I could perform and do for them. Right. It was not reciprocal. I'm in a, so my personal relationships now, I, I'm in one that's extremely synergistic, which is powerful for right. me. Right. The, 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 when you start analyzing those, Corey, I think one of the things you've started doing is assessing yourself amongst in relationships. What type of relationship am I in? Is this good? Is this bad? And so I don't, I didn't use good or bad. I started using, is this reciprocal or not? Right. And when I started doing that, my depression lessened tremendous, tremendously. <clears throat> my marriage was not a reciprocal situation. Right. Somebody wanted to get out and somebody was trying to keep one in and it, didn't, it, it just, you can't keep somebody in. Yeah, I actually have I have a friend, and this is a person that I that I grew up with, and and who I, I love as a friend very dearly. And I was talking to my best friend about it. We were kind of because we were all all friends, and we were kind of venting about this particular person. And he sort of had an attitude of like, "Well, I just I just dropped him. Like I just don't even make the effort anymore." And I, I sort of balked at that. I was like, "Well, I don't want to do that." And he looked at me. He said, "What does he offer you? What is like?" What do you get from him? Because it seems like you just get BS from him. Right. And, and I was like, you're absolutely right. And so I stopped making an effort there. And and you're right. I, I have been doing that, evaluating my relationships, finding out where I get the most value from, and focusing and putting my focus into that. Or that are reciprocal. That are, exactly. And here's yeah. this goes to the third part. And, and this podcast might be a little short today, but that's fine. The third part of that is, what I consider to be the, the, the Jordan Peterson says the antidote to suffering is truth. I, I, I think, first of all, if you haven't read his 12 rules for life, 
you need to go get it today. The guy is a genius, and he's built on some principles that I think are very valuable. Still on chapter one on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to talk about that. Wow. Anyway, so the third principle is transparency and authenticity. Sure, yeah. You know, I'm in a position of authority here at the firm and some other things in my life, and I, at times, make people uncomfortable with my just complete transparency about things. I mean, it's uncomfortable for them. Yeah, I mean, you. Right. I, you know was, I remember it. Oh, we got a minute. Are you had to edit that, Corey? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. But to be fair, it is tradition for the yeah. phone to ring. All right, we good? Yeah, we're good. All right, wow. Okay, all right, good. Sorry about that. So you're going to edit that out? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I've, that's completely derailed us. I, uh, do you remember what we were... Yeah, we're talking about transparency and authenticity. Sure, yeah. Um, and how I'm still on chapter one of Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. It's a deep book, man. Oh, come on. It's a tough read. <laughs> so I haven't put as much time in as I should have. Um, but we're talking about how I make people uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, trying. yeah. So that was, that was something that I definitely... I, I don't know if I ever felt uncomfortable. Um... But it was it was kind of a shock when I first started here, and uh, but do you have an example, or was it just a general? I don't know of anything that I could talk about on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't have anything specific. Um, but but it's it's something that I've come to really appreciate about you mm. is because it's something that I have issues with is being completely transparent and honest and. And mine uh, may be some undiagnosed autism where I just go. Sure. I mean, yesterday I said I, I. You were talking about something, and I said I can't listen to you anymore. I'm already bored, and I left. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, uh, there have been uh, one of our former coworkers. I, I do remember you, just completely un. This was not a conversation you guys were having. I think you were just walking through the 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 office, and you told her that you didn't like her shoes, <laughs> which which I was like. I don't like them either, but I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's something that I, I appreciate about you, and I, I kind of I look up to you. Uh, I've been doing this brutal honesty. I mean, you know, when you start dating at forty, you know, my daughter last night said, you know, Dad, you've never broken up with anybody. Right. I, I haven't. I got left. It's not like I went to my ex right, and yeah. went like, hey, this is not working. It was like, oh, the hangers are swinging in the closet, so I right. guess it's not working. <laughs> so you know, and. Oh, you know that. So, if if you were talking about transparency and authenticity, the divorce has been helpful for me in that regard because I corrected someone the other day. They said, "Oh, so it just didn't work out." I'm like, "No, no, no. She left, yeah, and wouldn't come home and made these demands." And I said, "No." And so it, there was it terminated. It right. wasn't. It, I, people act like it was like like a fart in a car just it dissipated at some point. But no, I mean that's that's what happened. And, I, and I'm. Uh, obsessed with making sure people are clear about that because it's not, I don't like the truth being shelled. I, look, I try to use precise language. I'm, I make mistakes all the time. Depression is one of those things you got to keep it isolated. So the third thing about transparency and authenticity, that, that subject allows you to keep the depression and despair into an isolated situation. Right. To ignore it. To think, um, well, let me just give some positive thoughts here. That's such crap. Right. First of all, there are no positive thoughts going to keep you from killing yourself. No, no. What, what's going to, what, what, what helped me was an idea was that this is a temporary feeling, that this is a struggle that I'm having. And 
when I could let go of that, I could let go of it. Right. And I could, when I mean let go of it, I didn't carry it anymore. You have to be analytical in your thinking because yeah, <laughs> if you're going through um, a, an episode of depression or you're having these, you know, some unpleasant thoughts or whatever it may be, uh, and this can apply to anxiety too because I can, I can speak to that personally, but you sitting there saying everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, or, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay over and over again, it's not going to help you in the moment as much as like you said taking a step back from yourself for a second mm -hmm. thinking okay what's going on here what's causing it how long is this going to last it's going to be temporary it's not going to kill me and, and and kind of breaking it down even just the act of getting into your head that much can distract you enough from it i think i know that's how it is with anxiety um but you can just kind of redirect your thinking and, and be a little analytical about it I know I tripped over that word, but um, well, I think there's a there's a here's the thing that's really important. I think you have to, if you've got people in your life who are sort of these self-subscribed experts, you have to be careful with those folks, right? Because number one, I, I've had people like that. They they want to tell you how they got through. Remember, stop. This is an individualized custom situation. Absolutely. Secondly, what helped me, and maybe I'm sharing this, when I got really clear about getting joy out of my responsibilities making sure I maintain a relationship with therapists, coaches, and, and acknowledging that there were some great things about my mind, but there were some also negative things that I had to minimize those with the help of outside sources. Right. That, that sort of lack, sort of this admission of, I can't rely on myself here. I can't be super self-sufficient here. I need help. Then finding the help wasn't like in medicine for me, that, I never, that never worked for me. Right. So I always get this funny thing when I, if I see a new therapist, what medication are you on? None. They're like, you really? And I go, no. And I, I don't, and I haven't. And then when I've tried them, it's been a disaster for me. Yeah. Absolute disaster. And I think it works for some people. I, I've never reacted well to med, so it doesn't make it help, doesn't help me that much. And I think my physiology is a different. So I've got some imbalances that, that keep me um, successful in certain areas of my life and really difficult in other areas. Yeah, I've given medication the fair shot to for anxiety, and I've I've always hated it. Um, e even when it wasn't bad, like even when I wasn't having the side effects, I just hated the idea of being on medication. Now, for some people, it works. Yeah. Some people have had great success with it, and if that's you, more power to you. Go for it. But me personally, I I did not enjoy it. But I think you should get evaluated in that regard. If you're suffering from, the, I think you should get evaluated yeah, physically. So. I want to finish the podcast with a couple of real practical applications. Number one, I think if you're suffering from depression, one of the things that I do, and I think you've seen me do this, is that I isolate the problem to a particular time frame. Okay? What I mean by that is I would give myself 15 minutes to be depressed. Yeah. 15 minutes. And I would start with, I'm going to delve down and I'm going to do this for 15 minutes. On the 16th minute, I would say, I am not relevant. Right in the world. And the reason I would say that is because I would get outside of myself and think there are people with serious things, serious problems. How can I contribute a positive value added to the rest of the world? Once I shifted that, right, right. I got outside of myself and instead of looking inward, I started looking outward, but I gave myself those 15 minutes to look inward, process that, and then said, okay, what can I do? And then the ne that's the next step for me. The next step for me was find something to do positively for someone else. Right. Give something of myself to somebody, whether it's 
advice, whether it's just listening, whether it's just an act, get involved, do something. The other thing I would do is, and I, I was talking to my daughter about this the other day, the basics. You and I have talked about this every day. You know how habitual I am about my schedule, about my regiment. It is habitual. And I, when I'm offline, it doesn't work for me. No. Okay. No. Um, I think that you have to minimize your disruptions in your schedule if you're suffering from depression and despair. Absolutely. Um, the, the next thing, be very careful with assuming that people are going to understand your struggle. Right. I was betrayed by so many people that I thought would never feel bad about. And I, when they did it, I could see on their face and it was a mistake for me to communicate it. Right. Complete mistake. And I regret it to this day. I regret it. Right. It was used against me and it was used as a tool. And a lot of people do that because they, they don't want you to be different than what they expected you to be. So there you go. Yeah. Right. I think you should be open about it, mm -hmm. but be open to the right people. Right. I you agree. don't need to post it all over social media. No. You don't need to tell some girl you meet at the bar. No. Like be selective. And I think you don't let it define you. What I mean by that no, is no, no, no. You're, you're bigger than this. So make sure you, and lastly, I think, remember, this is a temporary situation. Yeah. That, that it's, it's, it hits you. It's, it's like a rash. It flares up. It goes down. Give it the time. Give it the necessary treatment you need. Get the help you need. But know that it's temporary. So, you know, I, I don't think I've felt better than I have in my whole life right now. Yeah, things are going pretty well. And even if they weren't, I just feel better. Like I, yeah, I just feel like okay, there's things moving in a direction. I've finished volume one, and I'm starting volume two. Right. And that might be with some of the choices I made about who I'm spending time with. Sure. Yeah. And and my friends who've always been there. I mean, my best friend of 38 years, and my college roommates from now almost 28 years, are such a source of strength, and support, and care. Right. It is unique. And, and that's the next set of podcasts that I'd like to talk about is why our friendships have lasted so long, have been so ingrained and have been so supportive of each other. I mean, I I am a 45 year old straight male. I have five friends who I have known. My best friend of 38 years knows everything about my life. Right. Good, bad and different. Same thing. For, I mean, we've been friends since seven years old. And it basically we talk maybe once, twice a day right? <laughs> for yeah. 38 years. My college roommates, we met at 18, we're 45, do the math. We've been very, very close, all of us, for 27 years. Right. It's amazing. And so I think there's a combination of factors. And I think that if you have trouble forming those lasting friendships, we can help you with it. Number two, and if, you, if you're struggling with some transitions, that's what I'd like to talk about in the next series of podcasts. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. That's what I did on Saturday night. I sat with my two of my closest friends, mm -hmm. and we talked about how we made it this far. Because, you know, obviously we're not as far along as you and, right, and you're a lot younger. You know, but uh, but yeah, I mean, we're at that point to where I can say, "Oh, remember that was like 15 years ago," and right. that's scary. Um, but one thing I did want to add to this um, is uh, therapy. Uh, we talked about mm -hmm. about therapy. Don't look at a therapist like the same way that you look at your regular medical doctor. Um, it is not the same thing. You are not stuck with that therapist. If you are not getting what you feel that you need out of a therapist, find another one. Oh, absolutely. Your therapist will not be offended. You need to, because every therapist has a different style. They have a different approach. Um, I don't know how many therapists you've gone through until you found Dr. Siegel. Um, I went through several before I found mine. 
Well, I got recommendations. I think my, my primary recommendation is very close to me. You know, I have a good relationship with him. I really relied on him. He gave me two. The first guy that I saw I didn't like, but Siegel was my guy. I've got a coach now who's very in tune. I had a guy before that I saw who was two and a half hours away that I went and visited. So I think that, that they're like lawyers. Yeah. The lawyers are, are a dime a dozen. you got to find the right one. Do not be afraid to shift horse in midstream. I think that's good and advice. It, and as far as insurance goes, it isn't. It isn't the uh, the world moving that is finding another PCM. You just stop going to that therapist and you find another one. Well, I think period. you should invest in yourself. I think if the insurance doesn't cover you, you pay for it. Yeah, yeah, you pay for. I mean, I paid out of pocket significant amount of money for my therapy. If it's affecting your job, if it's affecting your marriage, your friendships, your life in general, invest in yourself and do what needs to be done to get the help that you need. Look, my. I, I was in therapy. My wife left in 2016. Right. I started that week knowing that the amount of pressure that I was under because, I mean, we were together 20 years. That doesn't happen. You got I, I couldn't quit my job. I couldn't quit being a dad. I couldn't right, quit yeah. being an entrepreneur. That couldn't happen. Hmm. So, so I set up a schedule every week. I went every week for 77 weeks. And that didn't get moved. Oh, no. you. I told you. Yeah. That does not get moved. That takes priority. Now, there were times when we went into that session – and I know I'm saying they were all great, right? But he gave it to me straight, right? Right? Like he would say, "You are giving yourself way too much credit here." <laughs> that's, an, that's another thing. It takes work on your part. Woo! Do not expect to go into a therapist's office and be told the magic answers, right? As to how to fix your problem, you're going to get homework. Oh, <laughs> he is. Their job is to listen and to give you the tools to fix yourself. Right. They are not mechanics. They're not surgeons. They're therapists. They will help if you listen. And also, you you have to be 100% honest. And there's one thing I want to add to that. And one of the reasons that I read so much is because by reading, you get other perspectives. Right. Now, now I, I'm straight, but I, I you call me, you know, I have a lot of, um, non-straight tendencies. And like, so I had this really embarrassing conversation today. They asked me if I watch football. I don't. I mean, I, I, I follow it to be sure, relevant, yeah. but I, I no, I'm too busy to find out what's going to be playing on Broadway this season. Right. That's what I prefer to do. Right. And, you know, I'd go to a baseball game, but I, if I'm not going to Broadway, if I'm in the city, that's a problem for me. Sure. Part of therapy is accepting who you are. Yeah. And knowing that what works and what doesn't work for you. And there's a lot of times in my therapy, I mean, we're, let's see, Probably intense therapy for me, two years, four years, eight, probably 12 years straight. Right. Here's what's funny. The one, one of my guys that I wouldn't go to said, when we're trying to get you to be like everybody else, and I'm like, oh, no, I never want to be like everybody else. I'm never going to be like everybody else. Matter of fact, you know what? I'm done. And I got up and left right there. Right. Because his goal was for me to be conforming and managing. That's not my goal. This is not high school. No. You have nobody to impress. Well, that's that's a whole big thing. Yeah. And one of the things that I think you've learned from me being here and my empowerment of you has been you're Corey, you're unique, be there. Sure. But yeah. just to be the best Corey you can be. And that takes work. And if you're not, that's on you. Right. Get off your ass, go to work. Absolutely. Okay. And so I want you to be the best you can be, not best me, not best anybody else, but best you. Yeah. And and only you know how you're shorting your own life. Absolutely. That's and so depression is a is a barrier to you being the best firm you can be, person you can be. Minimize that. Right. Right. 
I mean, it, it's not a disability. It's it's a little bit of an obstacle. Get around it, but don't don't play around with it. No, no, because that thing gets spiraled out of control. And it's ha- happened to me. I know what it feels like. So, I think one of the great things you can do is to be actively engaged in designing the outcome of your own life. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And that's what I want to leave. And I'm looking forward to talking about these next series of podcasts on friendship. Yeah, sure. I'm, that, that'll be a fun one. Um, like always, make sure to uh, to like and subscribe and comment and share with all your friends. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Take care. See ya.